0: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast.
0: Each badger marks the track with its own scent.
3: His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger.
2: Welcome along to another edition of the Cricket Badger podcast and first of all thank you very much had some fantastic comments for our World Cup weekly series that we did throughout the Cricket World Cup really appreciate the positive comments as a result of that be doing exactly the same thing as we go through the ashes to follow there's a new website on its way as well to host the Cricket Badger podcast and if you would just spare us some time to like subscribe comment nicely on the Cricket Badger podcast it all helps to make it more popular make more people listen and to mean that we can carry on giving you the content as we go through the rest of this summer and beyond and we've got a good show for you today we're going to go back to the basics really back to the youngsters and we're going to talk to ian jews the academy director and second 11 coach at yorkshire county cricket club he's one of the good guys at cricket in charge of bringing those youngsters through into the yorkshire first team we talked to him about how the cricket world cup might have influenced some youngsters to take up the game what he looks for in a youngster and everything that goes to making the Yorkshire Academy the envy of the rest of the world. Graduates dating back to Michael Vaughan, all the way through the Tim Bresnans, the Adam Lythes, to World Cup winners Joe Root, Johnny Bairstow, and Adler Rashid. And in the second part of today's show, I speak to Mark Boynes of Opening Up Cricket, a great initiative, a lot spoken about mental health issues in cricket. You might have tuned into the Graham Fowler edition of the podcast a few weeks ago. But Mark, as you'll find out, was hit by a tragedy at his own club and now goes around helping cricket clubs make sure that their mental well-being is looked after we talk about the pressures of playing cricket a little bit of psychology a little bit of mental health all interesting stuff so stay tuned a terrific podcast today ian jews on coaching and bringing through the youngsters and mark boynes on opening up cricket and mental well-being in the sport
0: it's that badger style
4: Hello, oh, Mr. Ian Juice, How are you, sir?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
4: I'm all right. I'm all right. And, well, I have just saying to you before we press record there, I'm in my element here with cricket and golf and tennis everywhere I look. It's a summer of sport, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is, and still a lot to come with the ashes. I mean,
4: that, that's why I've got you on, Deucey, to be honest. I mean, in your role, second 11 coach, and Academy Director, you are effectively the sort of conduit, aren't you? You're bringing through the youngsters from around Yorkshire to ultimately become professional cricketers. But you'll be assessing, I guess, at the moment, what impact the Cricket World Cup and the Ashes potentially are having on the youngsters around Yorkshire.
1: That's right. Obviously, we're uh, cream off the uh, players from who who get selected for representative cricket across the areas, whether that be in the local districts through to regional through to the county squads but the one thing that hopefully the Cricket World Cup will do is give us a bigger base to actually work with because the more that's playing hopefully the uh, the better that we'll find the odd diamond that may have gone to another sport so it's been fantastic and you couldn't have wished for anything better apart from maybe the first uh, week or so if we hadn't have had those rained off games other than that it was a perfect World Cup for for England and hopefully for the game
4: It it was exactly everything that Everybody that works in cricket in England in whatever capacity was hoping for, really, because we, we all want cricket to be successful. We all want people to get excited by it. Sometimes you talk to people and you think, how do you not get cricket? You know, it's it's an amazing game. with so many different levels and so many different kind of twists and turns in it. It, it amazes me sometimes when people say, oh, I know it's boring and all the rest. But the Cricket World Cup, hopefully, just lights that touch paper, which gets a few more people infu- infused by it
1: when you think about the first game when England played the first game and the catch Ben Stokes pulled off to the last ball and there's a run out and everybody's up in the air so there's there's been things throughout that the Sixers hit the actual pitches that were a little bit more bowler-friendly than people had thought it would be. So it showed both sides had a fair crack, and I think that's what everybody would have uh, hoped could go away from. I don't think they could have dreamt that you'd get a final like you did. Two ties, really. And I, I think it's just a shame that one side had to lose, uh, but obviously we weren't going to. It could have been us quite easily. It,
4: well, it usually is us, isn't it? I've, that's what I've been thinking that this week. Uh, it took a couple of days for it to sink into me really, because I watched every single ball of that final. And usually, you're used in England to seeing. English teams be the plucky, gallant losers in football and in cricket. And it made a change, didn't it, for us to get a little bit of the luck and come out on top.
1: Yeah, uh, you could read the reports, England just fall short, England, they England that. And we we get so used to it. We don't get used to winning the the really big uh, occasions. And also, you look back, probably the last one that's something near that is Johnny Wilkinson's drop goal, which was in the dying seconds to win it. Throughout the tournament, you were just hoping that we'd get through those tricky two games in the, at the end of the round system where we needed to win. So we had four finals to look forward to, really. We had the Indian, Australia, and the one against New Zealand twice. So yeah. there were straight knockout games for us, really. So I think that helped with the sort of building the pressure and the expectations and the excitement. But to finish it off like that You just couldn't dream about
4: In your role with Yorkshire County Cricket Club you, you'll, you'll work obviously With the professional setup And the academy But you're also involved With the Yorkshire Cricket Board And the pathways And bringing kids through From well right through From a very very early age When they first come into contact With the game What kind of work If any has gone into The run up to the World Cup And the Ashes In terms of yeah, Hopefully getting ready For an influx of people
1: In my most recent roles I've not really spent A great deal of time With the cricket board In the cricket board It's grown now quite big as the cricket board's development angle and their development structure. I know they've been all the Chance to Shine and the Wickets and All Stars programmes all been about leading up to and hopefully enthusing the, the youngsters to play cricket, making it bright and colourful and then hopefully this World Cup's just put a top on it and they see a massive increase in youngsters from six, seven year olds wanting to play because they've seen, and it to get it on freeview TV was, I think, a real massive bonus to the game in England.
4: It was huge, wasn't it? And to, so especially to get it on free to air when the final was so exciting. You know, to see some of the pictures from around the country of people watching it together and and getting massively excited by cricket. It's refreshing, isn't it, that yeah, people are suddenly getting, you know, the, the door's been opened a little bit and some new people are coming through it.
1: Absolutely, and I saw one uh, little clip on uh, Twitter the other day where there was a family sat watching and granny's getting that excited. And I think they said it was about the only thing that they've seen her enthused by because she's not very well to hear that and then see, uh, even in my house, that the wife watched the end, which watching cricket's not, it's boring. (laughs) But she sat there for about an hour saying, they'll lose, they'll lose, they'll throw it away. Because that's what we expected, that we'd be the Neleys again. But no, this time it was, we went the right way.
4: Yeah, I'd, I'd nearly given up on that final GZ about six times and you, you start, because you have that mindset, you start kind of almost coaching yourself into getting ready for defeat and disappointment, don't you? But To come out the end of it with a
1: trophy. What positives are they going to come out of? Well, We were so close, it's a great game. But we didn't need to look for the positives they were there. We, d- we actually won it. And credit to the whole system, I remember going back four or five years when Andrew Strauss presented to the academy directors to say that we we need to win the World Cup in 2019. And everybody saying, well, we're miles away from that. And the focus is going to be on that. And to see it come to fruition on Sunday was out of this world, really.
4: And to have three Yorkshire players involved in it as well, yeah, a, a proud moment for Yorkshire cricket.
1: Absolutely. i say it's through Yorkshire lads, through Yorkshire lads, through the academy, so I'm going to be getting on to our ma- uh, media people to do as a, a thing, Johnny Rash and uh, Rooty, their input in the World Cup, to play to our next intake when we take our next intake in October and say, look, this could be you in a few years. They've been sat in this same situation.
4: Yeah, I, I remember doing a... We had a media day, or a media sort of like a couple of hours myself, and the late, great Dave Callahan. Have a chat to the academy when johnny and rooty were still little fresh-faced well still rooty's still fresh-faced isn't he? but still a little yeah. fresh-faced kid basically and i remember saying to them you know you, it might seem like a long way away at the moment first team cricket but if you have a good start to it you get a chance in the first team and it's a televised game all of a sudden there's mike atherton or somebody sticking a microphone up your nose after you've taken three for 20 and yeah, you, know, you could be on telly very quickly. So it might, you know, the media side of things might seem like a long way away, but things can change very quickly for a young player.
1: Absolutely, and we say that we we've used Matthew Fisher uh, in that when he's in the academy. It starts in October and in end of June, July, I think it was. He he makes his first team debut. You don't know how quick that's going to be, and it can be scary to some, but or it can be just what they thrive on. So for me it's it's one of those uh, you never know where it's going to go until it until you actually get that going down that road
2: The Cricket Badger Podcast is brought to you in association with Cricket365.com, their ethos. We love cricket and want to make the world love it as much as we do. Join them at Cricket365.com. Thank you very much to them for their support of the Cricket Badger Podcast.
4: The Yorkshire Academy is the envy of the country, really, isn't it? You look at the role of honour of who's come through to play for Yorkshire and the ones that have gone through to play for England that we just mentioned.
1: Yeah, it's, it's
4: a long, long list. Do you feel the responsibility to kind of continue that? And is there there's signs that there's, there's more to come?
1: Oh, absolutely, it's, that's what, what we pride ourselves on and uh, the club's unbelievably supportive, I hear other academy directors who talk uh, and say well they're not even linked to the club hardly they they run separately well this is, it comes out like the third team, like the Yorkshire third team we have the same coaches work, uh, Galey's worked this winter with them, Rich Pyro works right across the board, Paul Grayson will work with our lads so it's all one. And to see players representing England with two in the under-19s at the moment, with three in the behind them in the development team at England under-19s. So we do pride ourselves on not just making good cricketers, but trying to make good blokes as well, which is key to where we go. And I think what really helps us is, like we say, I go back to the couple of years ago when... The first pink ball game against Surrey, here was rained off, and we had a young lad of 15, he was then, who came in because he he tries to copy Joe Root in everything that he does, even down to his kit, uh, same bat sponsor. And he spent two hours in the nets batting with Joe because it it was rained off. Joe knows what it's like because he was that boy a few years ago. And I think that's where it really helps, and that you you can never lose because the the group of players go through from the academy, they understand and they try and uh, pull the lads in. Just yesterday we had a second team game at Stamford Bridge, and one of our lads wasn't avail- had to leave, and so we needed a twelfth man. We brought the under uh, an under fifteen in, and tried to make him feel part of it because who knows, he might be that. First team player in two or three years.
4: That's one of the things that I think Yorkshire does very well. Is that you you have training sessions where the academy and the the second team and the the first team are all together, so you can get some quite young kids basically rubbing shoulders with the you know the senior
1: stars. It's part of our. We think it's really good for not just for the academy, but also for the pros. Uh, They come in. And they see the talent that's underneath and they think, well, they we need to keep on the map because it's all right saying to the young pros, you've got to push to push out somebody like Brez or Gary or Cody. They've also got to look behind them because there's somebody else pushing them. There's always somebody in Yorkshire who wants that next that, that slot.
4: And and, and in your role, there is the downside, isn't there, that not everybody from the academy does make it, and you have to have that day where you invite them in, and it's almost a bit like X Factor or something, you know, you tell some of them that they're going to get taken on and given a pro contract, but others, you're you're saying, this is the end of the road, really.
1: Yeah, that's the, the week that you lose sleep. Because you can't spend the time that we spend with the lads through through the winter, coming in on a Saturday morning at eight o'clock, right the way through January, February, March, when they when they're coming in three times a week, training, spend all that time with them. Sometimes you you've got players at two, three years that are in the system, and when they come to the first meeting, you see how excited they are, how nervous they are, and then see them develop and grow but at some stage you've got unfortunately a percentage of them you've got to sit down and say well i'm really sorry but we can't offer you that next contract because there only is a limited amount and there's some others pushing underneath who may be able to go on beyond it's a terrible day the great day is the one where you award them the contract and they go away and it's like they've won the lottery and then on the other hand you have to remember the day that well unfortunately i had to tell ABRC, he wasn't going to get one uh, at Yorkshire. We always try and help them with other counties. We, we'll help them try and get trials, etc. elsewhere, but it's it's still a horrible day.
4: When I sorts of people and interview them often they blur into one but there's certain things I remember from you know, certain lines that people give me one of them was from you talking about you know, releasing players and not just from the academy but just generally from Yorkshire it's, you said to me once that it's not who you let go because there's a lot of Yorkshire players they get let go by Yorkshire and they go off and, and make it with other counties and do very well but you said it wasn't who you let go it was who you kept and how they did in their place that, that matters, and that that's something I always remember you saying, and it, it and it works, isn't it? You know, if you've got two spinners, you let one of them go, you might go off and take 50 wickets, but if the one you keep takes 70, you've made the right
1: decision. That's the the hardest part of this job. I've always been in the position, that, and I I use it with Richard Dams, who obviously does a lot with me in the academy and, and second team. And it's a, it's about when you make that that decision, and when you've got to make that decision between one or the other, it's got to be a clear decision based on opportunity, that we've given them enough opportunity and they've had enough time and exposure to make a decision. And then when we make that decision, we know we can lay straight in bed with the reasons that we've done it. And as I always say to the lads, look, there's 17 other counties. It's not the end by far. And you may go away, they may go away and prove us wrong. And that not wrong because they may have needed less pressure and more opportunity than we'd been able to give them.
4: And sometimes it's going away and actually makes them grow up a little bit, doesn't it? Because you can get quite comfortable, can not you? If you're at the same club, you've come through, you know everybody, everything's quite comfortable. If all of a sudden you have to uproot, go off and bend for yourself, do your own washing and try and make your mark again, that could be what
1: makes the difference. I have spoken to several players that have been in a position that have let go, that have gone and played elsewhere. I wasn't the person releasing them because they were off the professional stuff at the time. But Ann and Dalby, I see him when we go to Warwickshire and he just said, it's the best thing that happened because I'd have probably played five games in three years. Well, I went there and straight away played 12 games. He moved down there. He settled down there. He's had a great career and he's still going. So it's not wrong. And even down to you talk to Paul Grayson, moving away probably was the best thing for him. And now he's back again uh, in a different role. So going away, it's like anything. We send ours, or we try to get as many of them as we can to go overseas in the winter and get a taste of being on their own, the washing, the cooking, living out of dominoes, pizza boxes, and things like that, and then trying to stay fit. How do you have to cook it to eat and and be fit? So it's not the end. Yorkshire's not the end. But as I say, my role, and as I've said to you before, our role is that we've got to let the right one go and we keep the one who's going to uh, do it at Yorkshire.
4: I remember when I I first started at Yorkshire, you and Martin, I think, were fairly fresh to post there. One of my first interviews that I did for the the magazine that we had at the time was with you. I think my headline for it was, I know how lucky I am, because you would come from... non-professional background you played club cricket for york you'd had a a normal day job and then you were Suddenly, coaching in a professional setup, and you were pretty excited about it at the time. I think it's is that something that stays with you that you still think that Absolutely. it's a, a terrific job to Absolutely. have? Absolutely,
1: we're in a privileged position. We're working with in a sport that we used to do as a, uh, or I certainly used to do in my spare time and my recreational. I was really fortunate when I got the opportunity to work with the cricket board to start with, going into schools, seeing young kids play cricket giving them a bit of fun, and then to progress through to the academy, worked with them, and then now working with second-team players, you've, I'm seeing a lot of people from very, very young uh, through to some becoming international, some becoming very, very good county players. I always use the one, well, one of the first summers, the quick cricket that we did with the schools, we used to do quick cricket on the outfield at championship games. The first time I did it at Scarborough, we had a, a young, uh, blonde-haired, wiry, woolly-headed, as I called him then, because his hair was all over, uh, left-hander who just thought it was funny to hit the ball, the little rubber ball, into the marquee area where all the people were sat having their lunch, and that had him lied. <laughs> he hasn't got um, so much woolly hair now, has he? Exactly, that's why I mentioned the hair because it's gone, you will not recognise him but he was there and because she set, so set the game up so they're hitting the ball away from people him being left-handed he, he thought it was funny just to whack it into there And so to work with those players and see somebody like that go on and play for England you think you are really, really lucky to do what you do Unfortunate that it's you go on some good trips uh, with the guys but there's a lot of hard work. People don't see the eight o'clock on a Saturday in the in the east stand for about six or seven hours, don't see daylight. It's not all the, the glam that it's meant to be. Throwing balls for three or four hours but I'm really, really lucky and I know that so and to work with really good players is is very, very rewarding.
4: I remember it was you and Sharpie, Kevin Sharpie, who's now at Worcester, who told me that you started wearing helmets in the nets when you started practicing for T20 because the likes of Johnny Bairstow and Gary Barnes were hitting it so hard back at you, you were fearing for your safety.
1: Absolutely, and you're seeing it now, seeing umpires in the league start doing it. It's sense because you throw that ball uh, and you get within 18, 19 yards of them, You've got, your reaction time is very, very limited. The, the, how hard they really hit it. And I do fear uh, that one day somebody's going to get seriously hurt, whether that's an umpire. You've three bits of wood in front of you that might, might take a the deflection off, and you've no chance. So yeah, the other boys hit it harder. The bats bats seem to get better and better and better. I, I keep telling them they're cheating, they want to use the old toothpicks we had. <laughs> um, they wouldn't hit it as far. Hi, my name is Brian Laura, and you're listening to the Cricket Batcher podcast. You
4: must have been quite proud to see the the first 11 go and play a county game at York.
1: It was strange really because we had a second team game so I wasn't going to be able to, to get down only on the last day. On the first day at Harrogate we got washed out and they managed to play at York so I, I got to see the first day. The ground looked amazing. Uh, the work that they've put in over the last 10 years really is phenomenal. and uh, They rightfully put on a good show and it was uh, a good game that went down four days. Just unfortunately, we didn't sneak it in the end.
4: After your appearance on this podcast, we're going to go on and talk to Mark from Opening Up Cricket, who he does a lot of good work of going around cricket clubs talking about mental health and what have you in cricket. Something that's always interested me, Jeezy, kind of what it what it takes to actually make a top player. And I guess you know, looking at the academy, that, that's one of the things that you'll be looking at, isn't it? The mentality of the player, how they can cope in pressure situations, as well as their talent.
1: Oh, without a doubt, it stands out. It's hard to say an exact figure, but I look at it and I think 20% of it is natural talent and the rest is being able to deal with the pressures, the expectations, and the more the rewards in the game, the more that the expectation and the pressure gets put onto players. So during academy sessions, it's not technical, technical, technical. A lot of it is in putting them in positions Asking them questions about how you're going to deal with this situation now. Go off and do it. So dealing with pressures rather than just looking at well, is he using his top hand properly? They've got to the position that they're in most of them by being able to play, and then we, our job really is to polish that uh, technically, but also to to find out, put the guys in situations that they may find find themselves. And the number of times we say, well, if you can't deal with it in a net situation, how are you going to deal with it in front of 15,000 on a Friday night and you're still in front of the Western Terrace? If you Mm -hmm. can't deal with distraction catches and things like that that we do, you're not going to be able to handle it. So we spend a lot of time. There's a lot of support for them now. We've got obviously psychologists and uh, advisors and people like that that try and help with off-field things at the end of the day we've got to remember the young blokes who at some stage will make mistakes uh, but also they, they have to deal with extreme pressures whether that be outside of cricket or within cricket
4: and one of the things that they all have in common when they come into the academy is that they've all done very well haven't they they've all been big fishes in in smaller ponds and then all of a sudden they're alongside people who are exactly the same as them and they have to make their mark and that that must be quite difficult.
1: Yeah, I think where we where we are quite fortunate is a lot of because of the structure that's underneath for for representative cricket. When the guys come together, uh, when they come to us, they've probably played a couple of seasons together uh, at under 14, under 15, under 16 age groups. So they have an understanding. So it's not really the the group that they go as a whole that they become uh, concerned about and look it's when players start developing quickly and people are thinking I can't cope with this when the pace goes up, when the strength of the batters goes up so ballers bowling quicker at them and the reaction and they think you know what I ain't as good as I thought I was getting found out by people, well I used to be better than him but now I'm not, I used to be able to play against him but now I can't, I struggle against him That's where we find it quite difficult, players' response quite difficult, because they have to find a way to deal with it. We have to try and support them. So that's why our sessions that we run with the pros is really, really beneficial, because they they go up and they they see what the pros do and they can talk to them and, did you experience this? Well, and I think back to Joe. Joe's a great example of when he was under 15 he He couldn't really he didn't dominate i didn't really have a secure place in under fifteens but technically he was very very good, and all of us kept doing was saying, "Look, keep working, keep practicing once your strength comes and then you watched him play against bowlers that were quick, and he scored runs because he used the pace of the ball he was bright he was he used the pace of the ball rather than trying to just use power, and that's also there where you get players who may But the big lad when they're 14, 15, they've developed a bit quicker, uh, a bit stronger, and they can hit the boundaries, and people think, oh, he's going to be a great player. But technically, he's not that secure. And then eventually, when when the maturation and everything levels off, then the skill comes to the front.
4: Because I was never good enough to play um, cricket at a high level, but I was... I used to read the coaching books, Judy, and it was all about playing in the V and it was about playing straight. And when I was playing cricket when i was a teenager i used to just try and do that and then there'd be the big lad come out play across the line and hit twice as many runs as me in 10 minutes that i'd taken sort of two hours to kind of craft together um i wish i could go back and be a little bit more expansive it's part of the the job with a youngster is to kind of just free them up to be a little bit more you know attacking and go out there and take a few risks every now and again because one of the things that earmarked me as a kid was i never took any risks at all i used to just to try and, and stay in really
1: if you look back over oh, the coaching time that I've been involved, it, the game has changed. We've played three different types, three different sports, really. T20, 50 overs, and then the longer form. And they're completely different skills. If you just take batting, the championship batting is all about who, are you patient enough to wait for the bad ball? Can you build an innings? Can you look to be there, get the bowlers into the third spells, and then cash in? So. 50 over in T20, it's improvised, hit the ball as far as you can, hit it as hard as you can from good positions. So, yeah, we, we, we've we had to change our coaching ways. We spend, going back to the Andrew Strauss thing, he said ideally because the, we, when we coach youngsters, it, we do three sessions of what they call red ball, so the longer form, the actual technical side, You do three sessions of that to one white ball. He wanted the evening up and even do a little bit more white ball because we had a goal to win the World Cup. Certainly, as you say, the big lad that comes across who strikes the ball as a youngster and gets the most runs, that often gets found out just, as I say, as the pace goes up. You've got to have a basic technique to be able to survive uh, against these lads because as you see Joffrey Archer bowling at 90 mile an hour plus Mark Wood 90 mile an hour you can't not have a technique and just go and uh, hit across the line against those guys you've got to have the ability and the base uh, you see the villiers, the way he strikes a ball from you wouldn't be able to do it without basic techniques that they do so everything dovetails together but as we keep saying you've got to build a foundation and then you can look to expand what, what goes on outside of that.
4: I remember sitting and talking to a, a player, a, fo- a former Yorkshire player, and I won't mention his name because it wouldn't be fair, but he, he said to me that there was a certain type of player could make it at Yorkshire because of the history, because of the tradition, because of the standard of the club, because of the levels of expectation. You needed to, be, to have a certain level of, kind of maturity and mentality to be able to cope with all of that, Is that something that you're you're aware of and you work with the the youngsters to try and get them
1: ready for that? Absolutely, and I think that's one of the major things uh, I've heard so many times. This lad's a good cricketer, but he's not a Yorkshire cricketer. And people say, how's that? Because and you use the word, it's the expectation. It's the expectation of yourself. It's the expectation of uh, the supporters. And this club's got unbelievable history and we're only here for a short time in it, and for me, a a Yorkshire player has got to accept that, I hear people say it's not about winning, well in Yorkshire it's it's not about winning, it's about winning everything, it's what the supporters demand it, and that is a certain, does put certain pressures on on Yorkshire players, and it's also a fantastic thing that it makes you look through recent, and the, the number of players that play for England, I've spoken with England Under-19 coaches recently and they say, your boys are so streetwise when they come to us compared to the lads, maybe some that go, that play play public school cricket rather than our lads play league cricket in Yorkshire. And again, if they're not doing it right, they're told, where schools cricket's a little bit uh, less of that because they're only the peers and, or teachers that are doing it. We've got some fantastic uh, players now that's coming as your Harry Brooks you uh, George Hills and Matthew Revis that have played been at Sedba School as, as a more of a finishing school these lads have played a lot of club cricket and they go to school and they get the best of both worlds they've had a little bit of playing on some really good pitches compared to what our lads who play schools cricket here it's something that you can't let them they walk through they see the history we actually do a session as part of the academy we go through the museum just to show them and yeah some people look at it and think well was Fred Truman really as fast as uh, somebody why were they scared well they didn't wear helmets they probably didn't have tie pads they, and things like that the game was completely different but the expectation uh, and the demand from our supporters was exactly the same
4: It would be unfair of you to finish off to ask you to single anybody out in the academy but you're confident and happy that there's some good ones coming through?
1: To have two in the under-19s and three 17-year-olds in the development side that if the 19s struggle for the first part of the summer may get another go speaks volume for the talent that we've got in there. But it might be somebody, and I keep saying to the lads that don't go to 19s, it's not the end of the world if you don't get picked for 19s. One of the best two opening bats in white ball cricket in the world, didn't play for under 19s. He was deemed not good enough at that stage. I think he's good enough now. It's that Badger style.
2: Thanks to Juicy, that player he was referring to at the end there, Yorkshire's ginger ninja Johnny Bairstow, now a World Cup winner but not deemed good enough to play for the England under-19s. Anyway, let's take our attention away from the coaching side of things and let's talk to Mark Boynes of Opening Up Cricket on Mental Wellbeing. And if you're a cricketer listening to this and you're part of a cricket club and you think it'll be a good session or chat to have amongst yourselves, stay tuned. You'll hear the web address and how Mark can maybe help your cricket club. Hi, my name is Brian Lara and you're listening to the Cricket Batcher podcast.
4: Mark, how are you?
3: i'm good thank you thanks for having me on
4: it's, yeah, it's good to speak to you and mental health in cricket and, and some mental well-being i guess really as, as a broader phrase is quite a a hot topic isn't it you know i, I had graham fowler on the podcast just a few weeks ago who's been a, a bit of an ambassador for, for mental health in in sport we've seen a number of players over the last few years take time out or Retire from certain formats of the game entirely because of their battles with uh, depression and anxiety and all the rest of it you, you must be quite busy, I guess.
3: Yeah, I think people are, are now voluntarily um, taking on the, the topic uh, We've been doing our sessions for about five years now and at the beginning It was very much the case that you had to compel or or uh, encourage people to, to get involved, but now the contact will be made from individuals and, and clubs coming to us, and I think a lot of the stuff that you you mentioned the work that people like high profile Figures like that Graham Fowler of them and um, the high profile instances of players taking time out of, of their professional schedule has made people think that it is something that is not just uh, in quotes normal, but is also something that can impact anyone and it's an important part of recreational or professional cricket to, to take some consideration of it.
4: In terms of who can can suffer from from mental health problems, are you predisposed as a human being to to have this as potentially part of your life, or, or is this something that can literally happen to anybody?
3: Yeah, it's it's just like a physical illness. It, it could be something where it um, there's a genetic predisposition, so it might be something that you're more susceptible to because of things that are running your family, much like for example, um, heart problems, but it can be circumstances as well or or lifestyle factors. So it could just be that it's something which occurs in someone's life and they really can't see where it's come from, or having taken a step back and looking at it, it might be that they can see certain things in their life had contributed to it.
4: We were talking just before pressing record about this summer being a very busy summer for, for cricket, and we just... Obviously, seeing the World Cup and the glory that is England's, We've got the Ashes just around the corner and the Ireland Test match as well. There's a, a full county schedule being played across the summer. I, I've often thought that to get the best out of cricketers, you need to give them a little bit of rest every now and again. But you need to give their, their brains time to switch off as well. We talk about burnout sometimes and a lot of people will say, oh, woe is me, cricketers, they're getting paid to do to play cricket. We'd love to do that. But it's not as simple as that, is it?
3: Now, there needs to be a balance that, as you say, it's a job that people listening to this podcast would love to have and perhaps would find stories of players needing breaks and rest are a little bit hard to understand because surely you'd be in that position and would want to play every day of every week but just as you would we would perhaps understand much more the need to rest players physically especially transitioning from perhaps a white ball tournament going into a test series uh, the mind needs just as much um, care and, and, and focus as of the body does and if you listen to people like Stuart Broad in fact on the he appears on the the forthcoming release of the Edge film and in that he says he believes cricket's 90% mental 10% technical and people might agree or disagree with those numbers but a large part of cricket is based on on the mental skills and and what happens between your ears so it needs definitely careful management. And these players at the very top hopefully have access to, 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 to coaches and management teams that are wanting the best for them as a player so they get the best performance out of them, but also are looking out for them as, as human beings or if we put it quite starkly, I guess, they're employees of, of ECB or whichever governing body. So they do need to be treated like you would be if you were in any other um, profession.
4: I mean, that 90%, I totally agree with that. I think I've i been really interested in sort of sports psychology. And I think on, on the basis of it, it's probably less than that. But when you get to the elite level, and there's, there's so little between those players in terms of skill and, and what they can give a team, if you've got any cloudiness in your brain, if you, if you are distracted or you've got things going on in your private life or you're, you're suffering from mental health problems, you, you're, you're less able in those 50-50 moments. I mean, we've just seen the World Cup final, which went down to about, it, it didn't just go down to the wire, it went down to about ten hundred different wires, didn't it? There were so many things going on at the end of that game. If you are remotely clouded or, or distracted in those instances, you're not going to perform, are you?
3: No, that's it. And I think what mental health as a, a topic needs to become more and more about is not just the reactive conversations about when people are impacted by illness and then they have to recover from that but in actual fact engaging with it from a performance and a positive perspective so people can swap ideas about how they build those skills which can then help them perform at the the highest level they can and then those things would have a really good overlap into other areas of their life so yeah that's super over i, I watched it First and foremost, as a, as a, as a fan of cricket, but, but I was watching each ball and each movement in the field and what batters were doing between balls and just trying to see what they might be going through mentally, what techniques they might be applying to make sure that their mind is uncluttered and they can just focus on that ball. Now, of course, that's incredibly difficult, and you've got the eyes of the world on you, you've got such a Intimidating in some senses atmosphere to deal with, but what happened with say when Jimmy Neesham hit that that six, and when Archer managed to get the ball in the in the right place to restrict the runs, was they somehow managed as best they could to push away those distractions and just get back to what they've trained hours and hours and hours on and that is executing their physical skills something that any player of any level can look at and work on is just often that these mental skills are a given you either are born with it or or you're not when just like working on your cover drive or your slower ball it's something that can be um, developed a lot with practice.
4: There's a story, isn't there, that Ben Stokes went up to Jofra Archer and obviously Ben Stokes two or three years ago had that final over and got smashed for three sixes and he went up to Jofra Archer and said, Joffre, your career won't be decided about these next six balls, just give it your best and, and don't worry too much about it. I, I, I imagine that if you're in a team environment and you are... You're not suffering from mental
3: health. You need good people around you, don't you? Yeah, and uh, and this is why when I'll visit clubs at the recreational level and talk about mental health, yes, it's a big, wide subject and it could be something you could spend all night talking about just a fraction of it. But the reason why cricket, whether it's at that extremely high level that Stokes and Archer are playing at or it's on the Village Green on a Sunday, the reason why it is such a great sport... For, for positive mental health is the team environment, and that we naturally lean towards being supportive, talking about what we're feeling. In in many cases, it is just how we're feeling about the game, but it encourages then that that interaction between people that might develop to something more significant in terms of support if it's needed. So, Stokes and Archer's chat there. Is, is a brilliant example that we really care about the people we, we play with. We might not use the word care. That would seem a bit of an odd choice in the, the dressing room, perhaps. But that, that was something that, that struck me as well. And, and Stokes talking about how it wouldn't define his career is, is brilliant as well in terms of resilience. Stokes could have been remembered for the instance where Brathwaite was was putting him into the stands in that K20 World Final. But what he's ended up doing is carrying on, working on his cane and coming back and coming back stronger, in fact, so that now he'll be regarded as the person who won the World Cup rather than something which was uh, a less happy memory before.
2: In recent weeks on the Cricket Pleasure Podcast, we've had David Gower, we've had Joe Root, we've had Daniel Norcross, Gordon Greenwich, Desmond Haynes, Joel Garner, Ronnie Arani, Chetiswa Pajara, James Foster, Daniel Baldraman, Sam Hain, Brett D'Oliveira, Keaton Jennings, Delray Rawlings, Richard Gleeson, Anthony McGrath, Paul Collingwood. We're building up quite a few test caps and there are many, many more to come. Thank you so much. For all your comments, it is much appreciated as it goes from strength to strength. You can find the podcast every single week on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Deezer, Radio Public. We're growing. Grow with us. Have your say on all things cricket. Contact us on Twitter at cricket underscore badger by email cricketbadger at hotmail.com. Comment on things mentioned in shows. Suggest future topics for future programmes. and Get involved as the Cricket Badger podcast continues to go from strength to strength.
4: I've had my issues with mental health in the past, as I said on the, on the Graham Fowler podcast, and I, I think sometimes there is a an, an inclination in people. I mean, Ben Stokes is probably quite a good example of somebody who, from the outside, looks quite a tough fella. You, you wouldn't expect that he he would have any problems at all, and, and he he possibly hasn't had. But it, it's a it's a misnomer at, at times, isn't it, to think that the gregarious sort of strong looking person from the outside isn't vulnerable to, to mental health problems. The the person that's the life and soul can often be the person that's the most insecure, or the most susceptible.
3: Absolutely. There's a quote from Michael Yardy in his book where he says, depression makes you a great actor and I can speak from personal experience that when I had my worst episode of clinical depression back 12 years ago, no one around me had a, had a clue because I put up as many barriers and walls as I could to say, I'm not letting anyone in. I don't want anyone to be part of this. I want things to be as normal as they can be, especially when I'm around my, my friends and teammates in cricket. So I'd be even more gregarious, even more outgoing, even more exhibiting behaviours which would be what people would consider the opposite of being unwell to being. And the thing with, say, a, a Stokes or any of these, these athletes who just look like they've got everything and they might well be smiling on the pitch and look like have got a really carefree attitude, that could be just how they are, yeah. And that, that, that's, that's certainly, for the most part, what will be the case. But if we always remember that anyone can get a physical injury, anyone can get a mental injury if it's applied like that so just because people are giving off this idea that everything's fine it doesn't mean that things can't affect them and mental health is a big continuum at at one end you've got your your very best your optimal mental health and at the other end you've got your very worst but everyone most people are are in the middle somewhere and even if someone isn't suffering with a diagnosis or a particular problem things can still get to them and we see this with social media that a lot of players have said in the, the, the past and will continue to that the kind of treatment they get on social media can make an impact Stephen Finn's talked about this saying that when he was struggling with his form and then he's getting stick from what people are writing online yes he should be perhaps more resilient to it is, is one argument but he's still a human being and the kind of things that have been written people wouldn't want written about themselves in, in their work.
4: I saw Robin Smith, he, he did a lot of interviews recently because he's got, he's got his book out. But he, he was saying that he, his nickname was The Judge, and he had two personalities, he, he, and he, he could recognise that in himself. That he was Robin Smith when he was almost away from cricket, and he was quite shy, quite, felt quite isolated at times, and, and quite vulnerable. And when he was with his cricket colleagues, he was the judge and he was the the drinker, the the life and soul. And it it, it is a temptation, isn't it, when you you are suffering, that you you do, like you say, put on that facade. Because you, you A, don't want to admit it to people. You want to be viewed as normal. And probably when people are at their worst, that's when they are acting the most.
3: Mm. Yeah, and I guess whether it's Robin or, or anyone else, that cricket is... In his case, it was a, was, a, was his job, but for, for other people, if it's more of a, a release from the day-to-day, week-to-week grind, you kind of don't want whatever's going on to affect that. So, yeah, there, another persona might come out from that. And if we see in, in slightly more recently to, to Robin that you have... Flintoff, um, when we won the Ashes in 2005, you know, you've know you got this absolute hero, someone who's a big guy, he can bowl 90 miles an hour, he'll catch anything that's hit at him, you can hit sixes out of the ground. He's got all of this going on, he's got this Freddie Flintoff persona, heavy drinking, he's the lad, and we're looking at thinking, this is what it would be to play for England. We don't need to go that far after then to see Andrew Flintoff, who doesn't drink, who's decided that, for the sake of his health and and his happiness, that the things which perhaps we identified with him aren't really applicable to him anymore. But if you spoke to people generally about him, their memories would be about this sort of really forceful personality on the pitch um, based around some preconceptions of him that may not be completely accurate. So it's interesting maybe to look across... World cricket or across any group and think what is going on b- behind the scenes with someone? Is it that they're all always like that, perhaps, or is it that there is some insecurity on some level or something more profound with their health, which we just don't get an insight to because it is some it is a sport where we still are really driven by not showing vulnerability by if we're hit by the ball, well actually you don't show that it hurts because they'll have the upper hand, and things like this so it's not necessarily right or wrong. It is just a really interesting way to look at mentality and well-being through the prism of our sport.
4: And opening up cricket, Mark, you, you were telling me before we pressed record, it's been around for about five years. Tell us a bit about the background of how, it's, what, how it started and the aims and objectives.
3: Yeah, this is the, the fifth year where there's been sessions with clubs, which are typically 30 or 45 minutes where... Um, They'll go out to a a club or to to a cricket setting, and and talk about mental health in the the sport from all of those different perspectives that that we've touched on. And this goes back the the origin for the campaign being started goes back to December 2012 when uh, a teammate of of mine at Sefton Park Cricket Club in in Liverpool um, took his own life. And the outcome of that, the outcome, so much stuff came came from it that. I really thought my main thing was that I just didn't want this to happen to to anyone in a similar position, that it was a, a loss which still now has a lot of questions attached to it. The main one being why and what could, could I have done maybe to, to have helped or pre- prevented it. So as time went on, I, I thought, well, Alex's biggest passion was cricket. That's where he got his release from the, the problems that he'd had in the, the rest of his life. So as, time went on it seemed like more and more of a good idea to do something within cricket and go and speak to the kind of people who would have had really similar similar experiences to, to Alex on the pitch and potentially off the pitch as well with mental health problems affecting one in four people in any given year here in the UK so that started off as, as time had gone on my own experiences I was more prepared to talk about and um, having had a, a, a similar experience with, with mental illness and being at one point where I felt like I couldn't really go on and the, the pain was too much so those two things together have, have kept this going and the, the aims and the objectives are I suppose are as simple or as complex as one well makes them that I just want to speak to people to say that mental health is for everyone it can be incredibly positive it can make a really big impact on your, your life for, the, for good but it's also something that needs talking about and people at times will need support. And It doesn't need to be professional. It can just be lending an ear as a teammate and then getting someone towards the, the, the more um, targeted help that they may need from there.
2: Discover one of the most beautiful lifestyle resorts in the Caribbean at the Accra Beach Hotel and Spa. Located on the south coast of Barbados, this beachfront property offers 224 rooms, sparkling pools, 4 restaurants, 3 bars, an on-site spa, event and conferencing facilities, and a welcoming team providing unparalleled relaxation to make your stay a memorable one. What are you waiting for? Book your reservation at this award-winning hotel today and
4: experience the Caribbean dream. You talk about the spectrum from not suffering to suffering very badly, but presumably looking after your mental health is still an issue if you are fit and firing and and think everything is hunky-dory. Looking after your mental health still is good for that person and it's even more important for somebody further down the spectrum.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So every single person in a room, every single person listening to this, reading online, has their mental health. And for each person, irrespective of, of how they're feeling, looking after it is, is is essential. So yes, it can be when people are feeling pretty good, it can be something that can maximise that and put in place things that will help if there was a decline in the in the future. That's the best time to interact because it's easier to engage with new ideas and to try things when you're feeling happy healthy and confident the thing we have a lot in society is that we talk all about mental health and, and we're trying to push this to people when they are struggling when really the last thing you want to do or the last thing you feel capable of doing is perhaps doing some of the the things that are good for your mental health so looking after it proactively from a positive sense um, is the absolute key as far as i'm concerned
4: and when you say you go into clubs are you talking about england are you talking about county clubs are you talking about you know fred and jim playing in the local cricket team
3: yeah it's largely focused on on club cricket with that being my experience and and the, and the experience of of alex as well so across the time now we've got up to nearly 150 clubs over these years um starting up in Lancashire and Merseyside but but going all over the country had some interaction with the professional game in terms of players advocating the cause and contributing to to different bits of publicity and it could be I guess in in the future that some things overlap more in the program they've got fantastic support from PCA in terms of the way that their um, personal development managers will, will will help with things and the suite of options they have available but I think with the, the, the club players it's hopefully something which we we can look at from yeah that well-being or welfare perspective a little bit of performance there as well but the wraparound message is mental health
4: is for everyone. When you go in it's Presumably a group session where that team is sat in front of you and you're giving them a talk and having a chat with them. Do you do you find that people talk in that environment, or do they knock you on the shoulder five minutes after it's finished and say, "Can I have a private chat?"
3: Yeah, it, it really varies. um There's times where we might have a session which is geared more towards a kind of a workshop or a, or a conversation, so people will throw ideas around within the session. Often there'll be a group where it, there's Someone within the club who has invited me in, so they would give an introduction and perhaps a conclusion, and then a conversation organically goes from there. We get quite a lot of questions open in the in the group as well. But but the the, the one that you mention is is very common as well. Someone afterwards uh, having a, having a word, or maybe walking out to the to the car park, or even you know, giving me a lift back to the station, and just talking about a couple of things that are either. Particular to them or the, the club in general. So I also get people after the session sending a, an email or, or a message on social media because it's something that that, that does make a, a, a difference to them in terms of someone else talking about it. It might be a feature in their life, but just another person speaking about it gives them the chance to then feel that it's not just them who's got these things in, in their heads. So yeah, a really rewarding thing is when people do engage whether either in the session or afterwards to say to swap ideas or to say they found things useful or to give any other kind of feedback
4: and if you have a friend that you know suffers from from issues and what have you would the advice be to treat them exactly the same and 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 to be to be normal for want of a better phrase or or, or do you do you need to be different to that person how, how do you treat somebody in that situation because there is i i, I as I say, I've had issues in the past, and I still think there is a little bit of a stigma there. It's great to see the likes of Graham Fowler and Robin Smith and Marcus Triscothic talking about it, but you do still feel that people would treat you differently because of that.
3: Yeah, and and I think that's that's definitely the case. Um, because there's a lot of uncertainty about the, the, the topic, people can maybe rush to be particularly different with someone. But, yeah, I think the idea of being... I'm treating them the same, but, but showing them that you do care and that you're available to, to have a chat or to, to, to give them a nudge towards getting some support is really important. Um, a lot of the time, what, what I know from my experience is that when these things are going around your head and it's just you thinking about it, you can feel very different and very divorced from from what else is going on. So being kept as part of a group, being treated as one of the one of the lads or one of the girls then that can be a a really helpful way of doing it and I would say to anyone that if we we get that instinct as humans if something isn't quite right with with someone and having a chat about it sometimes can be intimidating because you think how will how will someone respond what do I say the right thing there's no set of words that that work or don't work It, it needs to be natural and your relationship with a friend or a teammate, you'll work out what to say. And even if they, they, they play it back to you and say, no, no, everything's fine, nothing's wrong, and and, you, and you're probably thinking that, you know, that they're just putting up a, a barrier here, the act of just saying that you, you're you there and that you, you are wanting to help them will make a difference. And by so many I think, pieces of anecdotal evidence where people afterwards would, would then days or weeks after go to that person and feel, yeah, actually, I, I can speak to them. But... I think overall, it's to start that conversation if some, something isn't quite right, and if, ne- if, if needed, direct them towards the, the the specialist help group. your GP is there for your mental health, just as much as your physical health. And the more we start to think about the two as, as uh, it, with parity, the more people who do need a bit of help will be able to get it quicker and get back to being happy and healthy.
4: It's, it's a fascinating subject, isn't it? There's so so many levels to it. But how is opening up cricket? funded mark and if anybody's listening to this and thinks it's a a really good initiative are they able to help
3: yeah we 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 don't have a great amount of costs because the sessions are done by um done on a voluntary basis so it's just the the cost associated with the the travel for for them we've got a grant from the national lottery which makes the big difference and then there's there's often uh, events and and kit and merchandise as, as well as sometimes clubs providing some support financially as as well so um that generally is 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 taken care of okay we're always looking for people to to get involved in whichever way that they can so if anyone wanted to email me on mark at opening at cricket.com it could be that they're interested in promoting it in their area getting a session to their club distributing some posters or flyers or doing their bit on social media anything to get this topic out there a bit more to engage with more people so that it becomes part of what we do as cricketers then then that, that's absolutely brilliant I've got the the website open in front of
4: me here it's opening up cricket.com and there's sections on mental well-being your sessions the magazine the podcast that you do as well which I've listened to and uh, how people can get involved so that's the place that you'd suggest people would start to have a look at and if, if uh, you just mentioned it there really but if you are part of a cricket club and and you'd want to try and get a session of this planned for yourself that's a a possibility is it?
3: Yeah absolutely Um, with enough notice I'll I'll go anywhere so if people feel that's something useful for them then then please do get in touch or if it's just to ask some questions or swap some ideas about what seems to work for them or what they would do in certain situations the big benefit of this these years of work is not really what I know it's what I've been able to pick up from all the different clubs over the country and and that gives me quite a rounded perspective on the kind of things that that can make a difference to groups of like-minded people
4: it's excellent work that you're doing mark and uh, yeah really applaud the initiative as well and all the best for that in the future thanks very much
0: it's that badger style
2: There we go then, another edition of the Cricket Badger podcast in the bag. Thank you to Ian Jews at Yorkshire County Cricket Club and to Mark Boynes at Opening Up Cricket. Best wishes for them for the rest of the summer. Please like, subscribe, make nice comments, do all of the good stuff that keeps the Cricket Badger podcast healthy. Thank you very much for your support. Really do mean that. Some of the comments you've given over the last few weeks have been really heartening and very much appreciated. You can get in touch with us at cricket underscore badger on Twitter. Contact the show cricketbadger at hotmail.com. Stay tuned, plenty more to come. Until then, budges, enjoy your cricket.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.